So let us know, let us press on to know the Lord, his going forth, it's as certain as the dawn, and he will come, he will come like the spring rain, like the spring rain, watering the earth. In the name of the Father and the Son. I really don't mean to embarrass anybody, but I, that was probably somebody's cell phone alarm. I swear to you, I thought it was the ice cream truck outside. <laughs> it took me back like 40 years. It's like, ooh, I want to get like a rainbow pop or something like that. <laughs> so, the voice in the burning bush told Moses, go back to Egypt and rescue his people. Moses said, suppose they ask me who it is that's sending me. Who should I tell them? God's response is elusive. In Hebrew, it's four consonants. It's Yod, He, Vach, He. Translated by sound in English as Yahweh, Yahweh, right? But this was a word that was not a word. It wasn't a word in use. It was sort of introduced as this new thing, but it was close to a word. It was an approximation of the Hebrew word, the verb to be. I am, you are, we are. And so it gets translated as, do you recall? Anyone? I am. I am that I am. Its intended meaning is not, was not, still is not clear. Because again, it was not a word in use. It didn't have a familiar tense. And as peculiar as it is, its intended meaning was probably more likely something close to existence. So Moses asked God, who should I tell them is sending me? And God's response is oblique. It's like existence. I am existence. But what happens over time is that becomes the name for God this elusive thing. And it permanently becomes this unknowable and even in the tradition, unspeakable thing. In fact, the fact that I just said Yahweh a minute ago and right now is a flag on the play in conservative Judaism. You don't say the name. Rather, the way that you refer to God is by calling God, and this is hard to hear, okay? You, you call God the name. That's how you refer to God. Elohim Hashem, God of the name. And it's the, the name is referring to this thing that is elusive and unknowable and unspeakable. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Right. In fact, you can shorten it in the tradition and refer to God as just Hashem. Name. Name. yod heh in fact, one of the expressions of this over the centuries in, again, conservative Judaism is that you can call God Elohim Hashem, but you can also refer to God as that which name may not be spoken. Does that make you think of anything, kids? <laughs> right, Voldemort? J.K. Rowling, who attends, as I understand it, uh, somewhat an Episcopal Scottish church, I wonder if she heard a sermon like this at some point and thought, I'm going to take that, I'm going to flip it for the villain and stick it in the books. 
So what happens over time in that culture is that God, whose name may not be spoken, Elohim Hashem, begins to collect and garner nicknames, nicknames. God was given descriptive names based on how people perceived God acting in their life. And this isn't that much different than the way you or, or I get nicknames, right? You do something, good or bad, and somebody says, oh, I got a nickname for you. My nickname in sixth grade was Spaz. I don't think that described or pointed to some action in my life as a 12-year-old. But here's just a few samples of names that were given to God that are nicknames of God's actions. El Shaddai, which means God is enough or God is my supply. Or it can be translated as God of the Dark Mountain. I like that one. Jehovah Raha, the, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Sikednu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Medokishken, the Lord who sanctifies you. Right? It's about how you perceive God acting in your life. So God accrues nicknames the same way that we do. And so I want to give you kind of a fun topic for your brunch or your lunch conversation today. If you were to give God a nickname based on your perception of God's action in your life, what would God's nickname be? that you gave to God. The prophet Hosea, which is there in front of you in your worship guide, the prophet Hosea says something that I think both comforts and disturbs. From Hosea's history, from his perception, he sees God as one who both wounds and heals. I want to say that again. Hosea perceives God as one, an entity, who both wounds and heals. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn, and he will heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. Hosea wasn't the only one who wondered about such things in the history of the Elohim Hashem, you know, these names attributed to God for God's action. There are two um, that sort of map into this. One is Jehovah Makeh. This is the God who strikes you. And Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. This idea, it's fascinating, it's interesting, and interesting is an interesting word. This, this idea pastorally, which means it refers to our spiritual care for each other, and I think to some degree theologically is dangerous. It's a pretty risky idea. To perceive that God might ever, in any situation, strike, to use the language of Hosea, strike or wound us. I mean, even if we're speaking about it poetically, right? Because art, figurative language gives us lots of, you know, room to sort of move around in those ideas. But this could set us up to misperceive God and God's action in your life. We as human beings are not very good at, at being balanced. Uh, we're not very good at nuance. 
We aren't very good at threading needles. We like things to be sort of clear, it's all this or all that. And so this idea really is, in some sense, dangerous. Because it could hurt you. It could hurt your perception of God. But even though there is this potential, this high potential of perceiving something that is incorrect about God, I'm not ready to dismiss the idea completely. That God never wounds us. And if, if at least I am going to hold on to that possibility, I want to believe that when God does do that, God is like the loving surgeon who has to cut you in order for you to eventually be healed. In Luke chapter 22, right before Jesus was to be arrested, Jesus pulls Peter aside on that really tense night, that emotionally charged night, and, and Jesus levels up the emotional charge. He says, Peter, I'm going to allow Satan to sift you like wheat. But when he is done, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew that Peter would play a significant role in the early formation of this new religious community. He would be a leader. He would be the foundation, the rock of this community. And to allow Satan to sift Peter must have been one of the pieces that Jesus would use to prepare Peter for that work, helping him to understand the spiritual battle he would face and equip him to lead with humility, empathy, and reliance on God's strength and not his own. I want to conclude this morning by saying this. I truly believe that Jesus' first instinct is to heal. To heal our woundedness. You've heard me say this before. He was a rabbi. He was going to teach. But he added this other layer that is really interesting. And he, he set up clinics everywhere he went to heal people. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And this might be a daily prayer for you. And however prayer looks for you on your daily, is to ask God, God, come to me and heal my wounds. And like he said to the little girl in the reading, little lamb, get up. So could you and I be like that woman who had been wounded for 12 years, become part of her normal and in the midst of what must have been that debilitating, frustrating, even angry sadness in her illness, to hold on to just enough hope that we could crawl through a crowd like her and, and believe that just touching the hem of Jesus' garment would bring us healing. Just that mustard seed of hope in Jesus. And when we do that, we experience the healing that Jesus wants to bring. Maybe not this moment, but eventually wants to bring. And like Peter, we also can have empathy and resilience and strength in such a way as to strengthen those around us. So let us know
Let us press on to know the Lord, his going forth. It's as certain as the dawn, and he will come. He will come like the spring rain, like the spring rain, watering the earth.